Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christianta. Over there across from me, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. We have five days until opening day. It doesn't feel real. Like, I know we talked about it last show, but the offseason just didn't feel real this year. Uh, yeah. I don't, we don't need to get into, a, get into that same conversation again, but I can't believe we're less than a week away. Like, this time next week, we will be talking about real baseball. Um, do we want to announce? I mean, I don't know if we can announce this on the show, but ne- a week from today, I don't know if you've realized this, but we're going to be in Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're um, going to be, yeah, we're credentialed media members. That's right. At uh, Dunkin' Donuts Park, the Yard Goats are playing. The fi- are they playing the Fisher Cats? They are playing the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, I believe. Oh, Binghamton. Yeah. So, yeah, they are uh, playing against them. We're getting media credentials. I don't know exactly what we'll be doing. No, but we'll be there. We'll be there, <laughs> futzing around. Yeah. Being in the press box. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. And yeah, thanks. To Kyle Belanger, yeah. uh, three-time three-time guest of the program. Is that it? Um, yeah, because he's only done Kyle's questions, and we did it uh, three times. Interesting. We, we wanted to do it a fourth time, but we didn't figure this whole thing out yep. with the uh, equipment. But thanks to Kyle Belanger for setting that up. Um, and you know, it's it's you know, it feels good. Uh, it feels good, and I feel happy that he has the respect for us enough to uh you know give us that that honor of being credentialed media members for a minor league baseball team so i think that's something we'll be talking about on the show next week yes yes Um, i think we want to do one more show not including this one before opening day because we're rounding out our uh, players to watch today and then we want to go into standings and predictions awards yeah all that yeah um and i don't know possibly we'll have nico and bono on no, no promises, yeah. but we'll see. We'll who, see who about knows? it. Who knows? Everyone's everyone's schedules, you know, as cliche it is as it is, but you know, everyone's schedules is are uh, a little hectic, and you know, sometimes it's fi- hard know, to find time. We're speeding into that parking spot at the end of the semester. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Marty Dobrow, also yeah. a guest of the program, <laughs> also a professor of ours. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, speeding into that parking spot. So, you know, usually, uh, yeah. Speaking of that, yeah, usually we do two episodes a week during the season, but, you know, maybe we'll, we'll probably start out with, like, once a week until, uh, you know, we'll fin- finals are over. It's, it's going to be hard because we have some mm-hmm. – along with the podcast, we have, like, plenty of other big projects to uh, worry That's about. That's I was going to say, we usually do Mondays and Thursdays, right, um, during the season? Yeah, Mondays and Thursdays, and if we can't do it Monday, it's, like, Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah, that feels that feels like it isn't going to be able to happen until, I'd say, the end of April. 
Yeah, not nah, yeah. Like for our sure. finals start in May. Like I'm not worried about finals at all, and I think that we could straight up do two shows a week during finals. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where uh, where we're at. Um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at, um, and where. Uh, what, what should we talk about first? I guess we'll start off on a nice happy note. Uh, Albert Pujols. Going back to the Cardinals um, for what he announced will be his final season. Yeah. Um, 2022. You know, he, you know, obviously a legend of St. Louis heading back there for his final season. It, it you know, couldn't it, be better. It feel, It's right. It's what had to be done. It's exactly um, what had to be done. You know, I think the cool thing about this move is that it's not just a fan service move. Uh, Albert Pujols had very good numbers against left-handed pitching last season. Uh, there's obviously another open spot in the lineup with the designated hitter coming to the National League. Uh, so using like a lefty specialist, especially since Corey Dickerson is uh, their DH uh, listed on Fangraphs right now, like it makes it actually makes sense. You can platoon with him, and uh, you know everyone's happy here, right? Albert Pujols gets to retire in St. Louis. The fans get to appreciate him one more time. He gets to play alongside Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. And this is just a move that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Uh, you know, the the Cardinals were kind of like they they their roster setup was kind of perfect for the with the pitcher in the lineup. Where like they didn't necessarily have someone that could, you know, given especially like their defensive abilities, they weren't they didn't have like a designated hitter on that lineup in that lineup. And yeah. Uh, to be specific about his uh, platoon abilities, uh, last year in his age 42 season against lefties, hit uh, 294 with a 939 OPS. Uh, so you know if you just if you only have him against lefties, that's a uh, that's a good place to be. And you know I think uh, I could probably see where that ranks, but I mean it nonetheless 939 OPS is a 939 OPS so yeah. <laughs> that's this is very good it's extremely good especially you know because we you know the the narrative on Pujols has been you know negative uh over the course of the past several years and you know it makes sense given you know he's but given his you know offensive downfall just because of age really but you know if he can if he can only do what he's being asked to do which is be a DH against lefties. Um, I think that could be turn out very positive for the uh, for the Cardinals, and yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It should be fun. Yeah, um, this doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because it's really not gonna have any effect on the course of Albert Pujols' legacy. But just just because I need to mention it uh, on Baseball Reference, Albert Pujols is currently sitting at ninety nine point six career wins above replacement. Hmm. So uh, we need point four. Yeah. Point four. If you're a sabermetrician, I'm sure you'll be looking at it. Um, I'm rooting for him. I don't know how you can't be rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and uh, I mean, if he's posting an OPS in the nine hundreds, um, you know, if they only have him against lefties, I think you could make that. Yeah. I think you could make that. Yeah. Like that I, difference. I don't think we're gonna see. Like a full time, I mean, we're definitely not gonna see like a full time starting role for him. He might not even be in the opening day lineup. I have to check who the Cardinals are playing on opening day and who their 
re- I think they're playing the Pirates. Right. I could be right. wrong on that, but I believe the Cardinals are playing the Pirates on opening day. Yeah. Uh, which would pre- yeah they are so that would probably mean like I don't know like J T Brubaker is starting <laughs> on opening day. Mitch Keller maybe Chad, so if they really Chad like cool. No, he's on the Rockies on now. The ro- yeah. yeah. Um Mitch Keller if they really like what they saw out of him in spring training. Um right. Yeah, I mean real point all that to say, he's probably they're probably going to face a righty. So, it's hard to imagine he'd actually be in the opening day lineup unless they just wanted to do it for the purpose of doing it. Uh I find it funny that Ali Marmol would be like the fourth oldest player on this team. He's 35 years old. Yeah, right. Yeah, with Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, last year's team, it would be insane. Yeah, he would be, like, he would be <laughs> below, like, the median. Yeah, yeah. Especially like, <laughs> on the pitching staff. Yeah, like, Jay, yeah, Jay Happ, John, John Lester. Lester. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyway. Um, so... Uh, also, a stat with Pujols, his 9.39 OPS is 18th out of 149 uh, players last year to have 140 uh, plus plate appearances against left-handed pitchers. Wow. Um, so yeah, 18th out of 149 as a as a 42 year old. You know, that's pretty good. Very good. And uh, you know, if he if he's restricted to that, I mean, he had a 500 OPS against righties. Mm-hmm. Not the best idea. I don't know if, <laughs> like, I, maybe that's fluky, but it's tough. I think it's pretty fair to say that that's probably th- going to be a theme. I mean, he's going into what his age forty three season. No, yeah, forty forty two. Sorry. Uh, when's his birthday actually? Uh, January. Okay, yeah, he's he's going to retire at age forty two. Right. Right. Um. Oh yeah. I th- yeah. I I messed up the math because he mm-hmm. he uh. He signed, he signed his tenure deal at the age of thirty-two, which mm-hmm. made it end at forty-one. Okay, so last year was his age forty-one season. Yes, my bad. Yes. Um. So yeah, it should be fun. Um, it's definitely a different type of player than what we've mm-hmm. grown used to with the uh, Cardinals over the past couple of years, given like everyone just kind of has a lot of versatility. Mm-hmm. But yeah, should be should be good. Uh, just worth noting, like, I think, I mean, I think throughout most of his tenure with the Angels, especially in the back half of that contract, he was expected to do a lot more. Um, but then, like, I'd say beginning in 2018, they really reduced his role a lot. Uh, like, 2017, he played 149 games at the age of 37. And then he played 117, 131. And then 2020, he played 39. Uh, and then he played 109 games total in 2021. Uh, the last time we saw an OPS plus above 100 from him was 2016, uh, in which he had a 113. But in his 85 game stretch with the Dodgers last year, he had a 101 OPS plus. Yeah, yeah, he, he, uh, like I think, yeah, maybe with some time off. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if he's used right, he can still be an effective hitter. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I mean, I don't think like 700 home runs is 21 away. I don't think I can confidently say that, that that that's happening. Right, right. Unless they unless they wanted to really push out, like unless they just wanted to wear him out and give him 162 games and be like, go, just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I mean, he had 17 last year and 109 games. I don't, like, I can't imagine he's going to play many more games than that. Right, yeah. Like, uh, and also, 
he's not going to be playing first base either. And I don't know how long, mm-hmm. I don't know how much he was put in the first base position, like as of like a few, uh, the ca- past couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he had to with the Dodgers, but like, uh, yeah, with the Angels, he played 20 at first base in 2021. Uh, in 2020, it was 26 out of 39 games. And 2019, he played 98 games at first base. Yeah. So like, you know, if he's uh, if he's playing all his games a designated hitter, which would make sense because you have Colt, Paul Goldschmidt at first. You don't need, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're not going to need uh, a first baseman. Uh, you know, I think the Cardinals are putting him in like kind of the perfect position yeah. as long as they have him facing lefties. Worth noting, if he can somehow put together a 148 RBI season, he will pass Henry Aaron for most all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he can, if he can just you know be an MVP. Yeah, if he can get you know like 300. How would that? Where would that rank among his best seasons of all time in RBI? I think that would be. It would be one. his. It would be number one. Yeah, yeah. never had more than 137. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> if he could, if he could uh, beat his 2006 season, his 2009 season, his 2001, his 2002, and uh, every other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the all-time RBI king. Yes, yes, he can do that. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Albert Pujols. Yeah. still kicking. Still, it's gonna be like uh, it's cool. I mean, he's get, he's probably gonna get like the full retirement tour, right? Yeah, he's gotta. He's gotta. Right. Uh, he's he's a guy I'm campaigning for. Like, he should be the next uh, unanimous Hall of Famer. Yeah, he probably will be because I don't know. I think the only really the only real threat in his way to do that is Adrian Beltre, and I don't think he's unanimous. But yeah. I think he's first ballot. I think he's ninety percent first ballot. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, I don't think. Um, yeah, I don't think. I don't think he gets unanimous either. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, another transaction, you know, a bigger deal in terms of, you know, the players being moved around and in terms of, you know, their abilities in 2022 uh, is a a fun. It's a nice, fun little sneaky trade. One for one. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, Dodgers, Dodgers need a a reliever who can close out some games. White Sox have a overload of relievers. They need another outfielder. AJ Pollock for Craig Kimbrell. How yeah. about it? It's 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 beautiful in its simplicity, Chris. Yeah. It's just it's like, hey, I need this, you have this. I need that, you have that. Yeah. It's like, like a it just it's as simple as that. It's like a first pitch first pitch fastball in the outside corner, just <laughs> boom. There we there we go. We, there yeah. we have it. Yeah. Perfect. Um yeah, it's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. AJ Pollock, uh he had an underrated good season. You know, obviously when you're on the Dodgers, your abilities or your performance isn't going to get recognized as much as everyone else because, you know, everyone's really good. <laughs> uh, but A.J. Pollock had, what, an 892 OPS last year? Yeah. 892 OPS last year, which is pretty wild. In 422 plate appearances, um, he d- he had one crazy stretch also. Mm-hmm. Um a guy who can get get some barrels and i mean a great outfield with the white Sox now mm-hmm. especially you already had luis robert and eloy jimenez who are you know first full seasons f- first full uh 
162 game season for Luis Robert, hopefully, as as long yeah. as it doesn't get injured, and then uh, Jimenez, it'll be a second, and then you have AJ Pollock, um, you know, a veteran, 34 years old now, um, but a uh, guy coming off a season with an 892 OPS, and in his 892, his past in his past two seasons, in 632 plate appearances, an 888 OPS. Uh, so the past two years, he's been very good. You know what's great about AJ Pollock is he could probably be a like one through four hitter in like at least twenty five, twenty six lineups. He's been on the Dodgers and the White Sox the last two years, which are one of those like four or five teams where he is like hitting seven yeah. or lower. <laughs> yeah, he'll just like yeah. If he went, if he was on the Pirates, he would be the best hitter. By a long shot. You, not even just the Pirates. Like There are a lot of teams where you could say that. I think you could argue if he was on the Tampa Bay Rays, he's the best offensive player on that team. And that's a 100-win team. That's true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think there's any shame in being like, oh, the Pirates, they don't have... Like There are plenty of teams out there where A.J. Pollock would probably be their best hitter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, platoon splits, uh, yeah, not nothing crazy. Pretty even on both sides. Uh, at least last year, yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's it's just funny how simple it was and how it'll make each team better. Yes, the White Sox didn't need all those guys in the bullpen necessarily, and the Dodgers didn't need all those outfielders necessarily. Mm-hmm. And now now they have each what they want. Yeah. We should talk about yeah Craig Kimbrell's impact on that Dodgers bullpen as well. It's very funny how from the, like it's such a Dodgers move where it's like how do you rebound from losing the best relief pitcher of this generation? Oh, you go out and get the second best relief pitcher of this generation. <laughs> Pretty simple, really. Yeah. Yeah, Craig Kimbrell, uh he had a he had a tough stint with the White Sox, but maybe that was a thing where he wasn't getting he wasn't used to his role and he's honestly like uh we kind of saw when he was on the Red Sox, like he needs to be in a situation where he's saving games. Yeah. Like he wasn't good in tie games. He wasn't good in four run games. For whatever reason, he's amazing in safe situations, but very meh in non-safe situations. Yeah. Very weird. Very weird. Um, last year overall had a two, two, six ERA and a two, four, three FIP. And this was a, uh, I know he did struggle with the White Sox, though. He did struggle with the White Sox. Um, and uh, it was a nice resurgence from what he was doing the previous two years. Yeah. Um, and you could loop the 2018 postseason into that. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who still throws hard. He still strikes a ton of batters out. Um, and his problems when he was having his struggles, it wasn't strikeouts. It was, you know, walks and giving up homers. Um, so... You know, I think, and I guess we we were talking about it, I think, last week where Blake Trinan, we were like, oh, you know, Blake Trinan's got the closing role. Yeah. But uh, I think the Dodgers are in a great position now that they can have Trinan still as a setup man. Yeah. A great setup man versus maybe like a middle of the road or decent closer, and then you have mm-hmm. a guy who's going to slam say, the door. Like, I think Daniel Hudson was set up to be their setup man uh, last week. Right, which is you know Daniel Hudson's very good. I think he had, like he had a very good FIP last year. His peripherals were excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, I mean, if it's the Dodgers, like you want, like you could, they could do better than him, and they did. Yes, yes. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, by the way, active leader in saves yes. with uh, three hundred seventy-two. It's crazy. Yes, 
Yeah. Two, With the Cubs last year, he was unreal. 0-4-9 ERA, one one zero FIP. Uh, <laughs> 15.7 strikeouts per nine. Uh, that's 64 strikeouts in 36 and two-thirds innings. 3.2 walks per nine, one home run allowed. One home yeah. run allowed. And then he allowed five in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, in Chicago with the White Sox. With the White Sox on the <laughs> south side Yeah, Chicago. Um, yeah. He allowed over double the hits per nine, over ten times the home runs per nine. His walk rate jumped a little bit. His strikeout rate dipped. It was still 14.1, but it, was, it went from 15.7 to 14.1. That's one and a half. And then some decrease. Right, right. Um, so, I would ex- I would expect more success from Cur- from Craig Kimbrell, especially yeah. like he knows he's in a winning situation. He knows, uh, he, yeah, he knows he's in a winning situation, and he knows he's going to be given the ball. You know, when when there's up by three or less runs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll go well with him. I think, yeah, I think part of his struggles with Chicago was he wasn't in the ninth inning getting saves. Uh, I think that was part of it. So, anyway, um, anything anything more on that trade? I think that's about all that I have. Yeah, I mean, well, I think people, like, I know that this trade was viewed a lot as, oh, the Dodgers got Craig Campbell, but, like, the White Sox got A.J. Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> that cannot be understated. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like I know that I just you know I mean I did say like there are a ton of lineups where he'd be one of the better hitters. The White Sox just don't happen to be one of them. Yeah. And the Dodgers also did not happen to be one of them. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering who AJ Pollock replaces in like the projected lineup. Leori Garcia. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> and, and pretty isn't he like the longest tenured member of the White Sox? Like it's probably either him or Abreu. That wouldn't surprise me. It's it's got to be either him or Jose Abreu. Yeah, no, it's Leori Garcia. He debuted in 2013, and he's only been oh no, oh yeah, okay, yeah. He debuted in 2013 with Texas, but then he got traded to the White Sox, and he started playing for the White Sox in 2013. And he's been there every year since. Yeah, <laughs> and he has an 81 career OPS plus. Uh, 2020, he has set a career high with a 106 OPS plus, a 758 OPS. And where where was he at last year? Uh, 96. 96. Yeah, he hit a walk-off home run against the Red Sox for one of his five home runs during his 474-plate appearance season. So, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, That was September, right? Yeah. It was a Sunday. It was a day game. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It I don't know. It sucked. A.J. Pollock, yeah. A.J. Pollock, meanwhile, had 21 home runs. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, very good for the White Sox. And, yeah, as you point out, yeah, the White Sox got A.J. Pollock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, A.J. Pollock, just looking at uh, Baseball Reference War, I didn't look up look look at F-War, but uh, looking at Baseball Reference War, A.J. Pollock had more wins above replacement than Kimbrell. Like, Kimbrell might be, you know, obviously it's hard to judge relievers with wins above replacement, but, mm-hmm. like, you know, you have – Kimbrell wasn't going to be as important for the White Sox as he was going to be for the Dodgers. And Pollock wasn't going to be as important for the Dodgers as he's going to be for the White Sox. It's a it's a very interesting interesting thing, and it, as you said, it's quite beautiful. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a good trade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, what's not to like about it? Yeah, we can't um, even. Get, yeah, we can't even hit the hot take see, button. Let me see. Let me see. Like who's on? 
whose payroll? Because I feel like I read somewhere that the Dodgers and White Sox are just eating the other's contracts. That's but I could be wrong. Interesting. No, it looks like... Okay, no, never mind. AJ Pollock is owed $10 million this year, $14.5 million next year, and he has a player option for 2023. Um... As far as the so yeah, it looks like okay, it looks like they're just taking the other salary. I think the the Kimbrel contract for this year is six million dollars more, which is hmm. nothing, especially to the Dodgers. Yeah, <laughs> who have a expected payroll of two hundred eighty six million dollars <laughs> in a year where the uh, the luxury tax is two hundred thirty million dollars. They're fifty six million over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Doesn't seem to affect them, <laughs> um, but love to see it for sure. We do. Um, Craig Kimbrell is owed sixteen mil this year, and then he's a free agent. So it's one year of Craig Kimbrell for two, possibly three years of AJ Pollock. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I like. Yeah, I like. You gotta like it for both sides because the Dodgers can do without AJ Pollock, and the White Sox can do without Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, and the and the White Sox or. And yeah, like the Dodgers can easily re-sign Kimbrel, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, the Paul and and the White Sox, they'll have more control of of Pollock, as as discussed. I thought um, I thought he signed a four-year deal. So no, he it was a five-year deal worth how much? Hmm, I'm, I'm gonna look at that. AJ Pollock on Baseball Reference, uh. F- Oh, it says four years, fifty-five million. Um, that was after what twenty eighteen? Yeah, so twenty nineteen through twenty twenty-two, and then a twenty twenty twenty-three player option. Okay. So I guess one or two more years, but yeah, uh, should work. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see about it. And uh, are, what were there any other uh, transactions that we wanted to talk about? I don't think there were any notable ones. All right, awesome. Uh, uh, so the Diamondbacks signed Cattell Marte to a contract extension. Did we talk about that yet? Uh, no, we didn't. It was okay. five years, it was, 76. There's not much to say, except it's very team-friendly. Right. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, could, yeah like, um, and he's staying with the Diamondbacks. And mm. I think he was going to be a free – was he going to be a free agent after this year? Yes. Um, service time. He – had five years of service time, so yeah, he was mm-hmm. going to be a free agent after the year. And yeah, it's pretty team friendly. You know, he uh, unfortunately injuries last year kind of set him back. Um, Twenty nineteen was his highlight year, where he had a nine eighty one OPS along with uh, great defense. And and yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think that's good for the Diamondbacks. I guess it's good for them, good to see them spending money and believing in the future a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> at the state they're at now, it's, you know, it's Especially easy. Especially with that division. It's easy to be pessimistic and might have been easy to just trade Cattell Marte at the deadline this year. I mean, maybe that's, if I were the GM, I might have gone about it that way too. Mm-hmm. But uh, But yeah, and I forgot to check how old he is tell he must be late 20s something something like that heading into his age 28 season so they're gonna have him did the i want does the five-year contract start this year 
I think maybe next year. Yeah. So they'll have him through his age 33 season. So, yeah, a great deal for the Diamondbacks, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and uh, maybe it'll open up more f- financial flexibility for whenever they want to compete, whenever that may happen. Um, not that they haven't been not wanting to compete, but they did have a... I mean, there's no way last year... Like, I'm sure they weren't going to last year anticipating they were going to win, but there's no way they were like, yeah, we're um, we're on track for a 50-win season yeah. right now. Because they went, like... They were terrible in one-run games, which right. are just so random. True. Like, great teams can be terrible in one-run games, and terrible teams can be great in one-run one run games. Right, right. Like, yeah. the Mariners were... Like, a lot of the reason the Mariners won 90 games is because... They were, I think they had the best record in baseball in one-run games. Right, yeah. The 2019 Giants had the most one-run wins in baseball, and the 2019 Giants didn't do anything of note, really. Yeah, they finished, what, third in the NL West or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, they can be random for sure. But now we can get into our division previews, players to watch, you know, briefly talk about the state of where they're at. And uh, a question for each team. Yeah. Um, so we'll start off. Uh, I was going to start off in the National League East. Oh, okay. Because the American League East is the most intriguing to me. Yeah. Um, they had four 90-win teams last year. Uh, so, yeah, Do- doesn't really doesn't really matter. But who's going to start in the National League East uh, and uh, start off with the Washington Nationals? Um, How the Mighty Have Fallen. They yeah. went 65 and 97 and finished last in the NL East last year. Um, in the off season, they lost uh, Ryan Zimmerman to retirement and Jordy Mercer. Uh, I did not know they had Jordy Mercer. Yeah, I did not. Jo- I did not know Jordy Mercer still played baseball, but good for him. Yeah, I just remember like that was probably his last game too, along with Ryan Zimmerman's. I thought it was Alex Avila. Uh, it was Alex Avila's yeah, last game. Yeah, I think they were discussing maybe uh, on the radio. They were discussing like Jordy Mercer. It also might be his last game. Maybe not because of age, but because <laughs> it's not very good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Never forget those Pirates days. Yes, yes. <laughs> they added Nelson Cruz, Cesar Hernandez, Anibal Sanchez, Steve Ciszek, Sean Doolittle, and Aaron Sanchez. Um, so and uh, D Strange Gordon. And Michael Franco, both to minor league deals during the lockout. Um, true, true, yeah. true. M- Michael Franco, 2019 National League <laughs> King of Intentional Walks, or yep. second? Second in the National League. Because of the pitcher spot. Yep. Uh, Too bad for he. He must have been so upset. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, how am I going to get my on-base percentage up? I'm pretty sure the Fangraphs projected lineup actually has him hitting eighth. <laughs> That's very unfortunate for him. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, uh, who is your player to watch from the Nationals? I mean, you already know it. Um, oh yeah, I think I, I think yeah. I do. I, uh, I'm going with a repeat for this year. I talked about this guy last year for very different reasons. I also wrote 1600 words about him during the off season. Josh Bell, uh, everything I wrote, I straight up copy and pasted from my article about <laughs> him. So this is going to sound very formal. It's because it's what I wrote. <clears throat> 
In 2021, Josh Bell set career highs in exit velocity at 92.5 miles an hour and a hard hit percent at 52%. However, his launch angle went down a degree from 2020 and shrunk to 4.9 degrees. Bell has been predominantly a ground ball hitter for two seasons now, with a 54.1% ground ball rate since 2020, and that ranks 6th highest of the 114 qualifying hitters. For a 6'4", 255-pound first baseman with generational power and 33rd percentile sprint speed, that isn't exactly what you want. You want him to be hitting the ball in the air a lot more. 130 of Bell's 540 batted balls over the last two seasons have resulted in hard-hit ground balls. That is a 24.1% clip, and it ranks 4th highest among the 163 hitters with at least 400 ground balls in that time. He is also one of eight qualified hitters with a ground ball to fly ball ratio above two since the start of 2020. That means he and seven other hitters have double the number of ground balls compared to fly balls. However, every other one of those seven hitters has a BABIP of at least 300 over those last two seasons because they are known for being contact guys and they don't get shifted on. Josh Bell, meanwhile, had a BABIP of 275 because he's seen as a more powerful hitter with a threat to drive the ball, so he gets shifted on more. Bell hit 187 on ground balls in 2021. That was tied for the eighth lowest among, eighth lowest batting average among the 164 hitters to have at least 125 ground balls throughout the season. According to Fangraphs, Bell finished the season the season with 214 total ground balls, and he was one of 55 hitters with at least 175 ground balls. And of those 55, Bell ranked tied for dead last in average and was the only hitter with a negative weighted runs created plus on grounders and that was a negative three weighted runs created plus and on the opposite end of the spectrum he hit 343 on fly balls during the season that ranks 12th of 179 hitters with at least 100 fly balls during the regular season that is a 156 point difference in bell's average where he hits fly balls versus ground balls he is one of the best hitters when he hits a fly ball but he hits ground balls at double the amount and that is something that needs to change yeah, great. Yeah, great analysis. It was done. Um, during was it done? It was early January. Per, yeah, it, so it was done over the off season, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, everything st- st- stands the same. It's uh, yeah, it's very frustrating, especially knowing like what we saw first half twenty nineteen, knowing what was in there, and um, what we're kind of getting because of a probably. Maybe for him, probably a more solvable issue. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, it can be frustrating. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he'll, you know, he obviously has the exit velocity and the ability to hit the ball hard. He's just got to hit it in the in the right direction. Um, my, uh, my player to watch is, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how much I believe in him <laughs> p- personally, but I think he had a pretty interesting year. Um, Alcides Escobar, at the age of 34 last year, after three years away from Major League Baseball, had career highs in on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS in uh, seasons in which he had 300-plus plate, plate appearances. That's fantastic. Much of this was due to a career-high 28.8% line drive rate. So, uh you know, Alcides Escobar hit some line drives. I mean, when uh, when we when we talk about players to watch, we we don't go with the obvious guys. We usually st- stay away from like the top four or five um, best well-known players on the team, unless unless there's just something about them. Yeah, unless there's something like very interesting that 
people aren't talking about. So, like, obviously with the Nationals, you should be watching Juan Soto. <laughs> yes, please, I, please do that. You should be watching Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz until he gets traded in July. Because uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else the Nationals are going to do with him. But, uh, but yeah, Alcides Escobar, though, he, last year he had an OPS plus over 100. So shout out to him. Um, all right, question time. <laughs> yeah, um, there are a lot of young players on this team that still are works in progress. T- two of them just got over here. Two of them have been there for a while. Who is the best chance of establishing their part of the Nationals' future this year? Josiah Gray, Kiebert Ruiz, Victor Robles, Carter Keboom. That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, Gray, um, Gray has good... Uh, well, I don't know if he has good strikeout numbers. Maybe more in the minors, he had good strikeout numbers. He's good stuff. He's got good stuff. Um, Kiebert, Kiebert Ruiz, I don't think we've seen a lot of. Uh, Carter Keboom, we've seen a bit of him. He's he's struggled a bit. Victor Robles, uh, 2019, he was pretty good. Um, he's always had good defense, but he's struggled in 2020 and 2021. Um and all of them are are pretty young, like twenty five and under, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to uh, think here. Like it's, I, I kind of, I my heart kind of wants to go Victor Robles, but I, I just see what he's done in the past two years, and it's tough to believe that he's gonna bounce back greatly. Um, Kiebert Ruiz is he? What, posi- what position is he? He's a catcher. He's a catcher, yeah. Um, so, hmm, I'm going to say Josiah Gray. Okay. Um, I think he can I think he can make himself, like, get himself, like, to an ERA around four or something like that, you know, which is an ERA plus around, like, 110 maybe. Uh, so I can, I can see that from him and, uh, you know, increase the strikeout numbers, maybe decrease the walk numbers. So, yeah, I think uh, Josiah Gray will be, of those four, will establish himself the most. Sure. Um, my question, it's regarding your player to watch. Yeah. Um, will Josh Bell have over or under 29 and a half home runs? Uh, I think it's over. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't mean to I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but Josh Bell was definitely, like, the guy that I looked the most at during the offseason. And the guy I looked the most at last offseason – Noticing one particular flaw in his style was Robbie Ray, and uh, he won the Cy Young Award. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe Look Josh out. Bell. Maybe Josh Bell wins MVP. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> That's true. He had uh, 27 last year for reference. Yes, he did. I I would I would take the over on that. Yep. Um, all right, on to the Miami Marlins. Uh, they went 67 and 95 last year and finished fourth in the NL East. Um, and uh, they lost – I was looking through the uh, their transactions. They lost no one significant. Um, they added Avasil Garcia, Jorge Soler, Jacob Stallings, Joey Wendell, and uh, the legend, Williams Astadio, hmm. La Tortuga. Hmm. He's probably not going to play much of a role, but it's funny to add him. Um, so I'll start with my player to watch. He's a guy who's not necessarily completely unknown, but um, I think it's kind of – overshadowed depending on 
he gets a little overshadowed by the other pitchers in the rotation. So I'm talking about Pablo Lopez. You do love Pablo Lopez. I'm a big fan of him. You are. One of my, like, we started the How About That segment in 2020, and he was, like, you know, probably one of the first six or seven, and he was, like, the first first one where I found, like, a good, like, statistical difference in what he was doing between, like, years and stuff. So, you know, I'll, I'll reflect positively on Pablo Lopez. But anyway, he's a 26-year-old right-handed pitcher. And since the start of 2020, he has a 3.26 ERA, 3.22 FIP, and 9.8 strikeouts per nine and 160 innings pitch. There are six pitchers uh, to have 10 plus starts and a FIP below 3.3 in both 2020 and 2021. 10 plus starts and a FIP below 3.3. Jacob Degrom, Zach Wheeler, Shane Bieber, Brandon Woodruff, Kevin Gosman. And Pablo Lopez. There you go. So, uh, you know, he's a bit overshadowed by guys like, you know, guys have emerged like Trevor Rogers. You know, Sixto Sanchez emerged in 2020. Sandy Alcantara has always been, you know, at least for the past couple years, very good. But uh, Pablo Lopez is very well right right with there with them. Um, you know, obviously with a 3-2-6 ERA and a 3-2-2 FIB since the start of 2020. Um you know, also just has to stay healthy. Kind of ran into some troubles last year. Uh, anyway, who is your player to watch? So uh, you were mentioning their additions from the offseason. They had a lot. There was one. There was one guy that was left out though, and it is not a, on the surface not a key name, but it is a key name. Lewis Head. He is a relief pitcher that they got from Tampa Bay, and he might be my favorite player ever. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Lewis Head gave up 90 batted balls last season. 42 of those batted balls, that is just below half, uh, had a launch angle above 30 de- 35 degrees. Uh, that is a 46.7% rate of, of all batted balls having a launch angle above 35 degrees. And it is the highest of the <clears throat> 3,743 seasons in the StatCast era with at least 50 batted balls against. There have been 3,742 other seasons. None of them have had a higher rate of batted balls being above 35 degrees than Lewis had last year. Uh, he also had a 3.56 K to walk ratio. And since he gave up so many fly balls, you would think he gave up more than 0.5 home runs per nine, but that is just not true. <laughs> uh, Lewis Head is going to be an awesome reliever for the Marlins. I think he's going to a more pitcher-friendly ballpark, especially for a fly ball pitcher like him. Um... He gives up a lot of fly balls. Not a lot of them have a lot of exit velocity on them. And, Chris, because I know you'd like to hear this, on that list of 3,743 seasons, obviously Lewis Head in 2021 was number one. Number five and six were Caleb Baragar's yeah. 2020 and 2021 seasons. Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to Caleb Baragar. Yeah. Last, last week, my uh, Diamondbacks player to <laughs> yep. watch. Um, just a silly guy. Silly, silly mm. name. Um. Now it is question time for the Marlins. Um, so uh, mine's very subjective with the Marlins. Um, so by the end of the year, what number starter will we consider Jesus Lazardo in an average rotation? You know, when Ooh. we talk about guys like, oh, this guy's a number three starter. This guy's a number – This guy's a no- uh, he's just a number five starter. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a number one starter in most rotations. I feel like just the safest bet is say, oh, he's going to be a three. Right. Because that could be very subjective. So I'm going to be bold and say two. 
Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't think it would have been like too ordinary to say three given like, you know, he had, a, he, he struggled a lot last year, but I think it was mostly out of the reliever role. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think he had like but, a six, six. Something. Uh, he's been, he's had an uptick in velocity spring training. So that's very encouraging. Very encouraging. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, what, 25 now, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a top prospect in the A system and he got traded over, um, for Starling Marte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a deal. <laughs> what am I, qu- <laughs> I, I was thinking about putting the question like by this year, uh, when will we know that the, uh, Marlins won the trade? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I guess we kind of already knew. We already had. know <laughs> like the A, like the A's. Okay. Starling Marte was very good for the A's, but it was a one year deal. It was a rental deal. And they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, what did what did Starling Marte really do for them in the grand scheme of they things? They didn't even not come... That it's, not that it's his fault, of course. He did everything he could have. But, like, I don't think there's any... Like, unless Jesus Lazardo just completely blows up, I don't think there's a way they can win this trade. And even then, I don't even know if that's really them winning the trade. Yeah, they didn't Because, even... like, okay, let's say Jesus Lazardo were to have blown up in Oakland instead. They're not. They're like he's not. How? What is he really pushing them away from anyway? Yeah. Like they traded all of their players. And they're not trying to compete. What does it matter if Jesus Lazardo isn't good now? Right. And they <laughs> and they can't trade him for a rental. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. Marte. Yeah. He was. He was a two month thing. And yeah. They. They didn't even come particularly close to the playoffs. They were six games out in the wild card. Yeah. I know. By season's end. And uh, and yeah, like. You know, it, it was funny how they how they went about it. They just gave up their most prized young pitcher. <laughs> yeah, in the, crazy in the in the scheme of it all. Um, it's my question. Your question. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations about the future Marlins rotation, right? Sandy Alcantara, who just signed an extension. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Lopez, your guy. You know, Jesus Lazardo. Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, Trevor Rogers, yeah. Eliza Hernandez. They have a lot of studs in that rotation. Buy or sell. The Marlins will have a top five rotation ERA in the National League this year. They ranked this eight, year. they ranked eighth last year. Oh bye. Buy or sell, do you think? Top five in the NL. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, think about it. You have the, the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Giants, the Mets, although the Mets, who knows right now, because DeGrom is out for a while. Serger yeah. might be out for a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and they don't have too much depth. They just lost Stroman, and, and I, I know Syndergaard wasn't pitching a lot for them, but they don't have him to, to rely on. But, yeah, if I think about the National League, like, um, also I guess the Padres are a, a potential factor. But, mm-hmm. like, but yeah, I think I think by because also the thing with, you know, the thing with them is, you know, Alcantara is heading into his age 26 season. So is Pablo Lopez. Rogers heading into his age 24 season. Uh, Lizardo, I think, heading into his age 25 season. Sixto Sanchez, you know, in his mid-20s, too. Like, it's hard to imagine any of them getting worse. Uh, I think they're all going to be getting better. So, yeah, I think I think that's a buy for me. Okay. Uh, and I think my I made a statement. I said in 2023 they will have the best rotation ERA sure. um, in baseball. But, uh, but not this year, but 2023. All right, on to... The Mets, speaking of the Mets, onto the Mets, uh, who last year went 77 and 85 and finished third in the National League East. Um, and uh, 
They lost Marcus Stroman, Javier Baez, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, unless I guess they resign him. Which unlikely. I don't think so yeah, at this g- point. Given some of their additions. Uh, they also lost Aaron Loop, Jonathan Villar, Kevin Pillar, and Rich Hill. And they added Max Scherzer, Starling Marte, Chris Bassett, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, and Adam Adovino. And uh, who is your player to watch from sure. the Mets? So my player to watch on the New York Mets is someone, that, someone that's kind of been there a while, but I don't think people realize just how good he is at what he does. Brandon Nimmo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, since 2017, his 395 OBP ranks sixth among qualifiers. Uh, he's ridiculously good at taking walks. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, he also, worth noting, uh, his lowest strikeout rate in any season besides 2020 coming into last year was 25%. And in 2021, his strikeout rate was 20.3%. So not only does he walk a lot and he has always done that, but he also struck, struck out a lot less last year. And also for whatever reason, I noticed this, not that it has a ton to do with anything, but I just found it amusing. He is just an entirely different hitter when he deals with off-speed pitches. Uh, on fastballs and breaking balls, he has an 11-degree launch angle since 2019, which is, you know, it's 11 degrees. It's fairly average, I, I would suppose. Um, on off-speed pitches since 2019, his launch angle is negative 3 degrees. <laughs> uh, that is tied for the third lowest among the 325 hitters with at least 50 off-speed pitches uh, 50 plate appearances on off-speed pitches since 2019. Uh, I don't really know how to explain it because it's pretty much only change-ups. That's not really meant to produce ground balls, such as uh, as much as like maybe sinkers or right. even some breaking balls. Yeah, even though they have like downward action, it's like more mm-hmm. of it's not necessarily a ground ball pitch. It's more of a put away pitch mm-hmm. for most guys. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard to make of it what it is. Um, I guess it can be improved upon some somehow, some way. But, uh, but yeah, Brandon Nimmo. Is that what you got on uh, Brandon Nimmo? That is what I got on Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, very underrated guy. It's a, He's another guy where it's a matter of, like, he's got to be healthy because I don't know how many play, how many uh, games he played last year, but I think it was under 100, um, unless I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with that, like, yeah, he's very valuable in the lineup. Uh, when he's when he's in there for sure like 395 opp since what 2017 you said yes unreal <laughs> that is <laughs> the 395 on base percentage yeah that's stunning oh my god yeah no doubt about it um so now uh now i will uh talk about my first righty reliever of the day <laughs> so i i actually went back and like erased some righty relievers because i was like this is too much but my first righty reliever of the day um uh what's his name sean reed foley who uh I, and i'm not saying he's gonna break out i know i love when you have when you say these obvious names that it's like there's this cool thing about him like i'm not saying he's gonna be that great but there's this thing yeah it, it's like yeah it's He's not great, and I'm not gonna. I'm not saying he's gonna break out. I think there's a little bit of like, not breakout potential, but potential to be good. Uh, he's a 26 year old right-handed pitcher. Uh, the Mets actually got him in the Stephen Matz deal, and uh, he had 11.3 strikeouts per nine 
and a 3.85 FIP last year. Uh, his BABIP against last year also was 352. On the Cardinals? Um, no, uh, Sean Reed Foley. No. Oh, and the Stephen Mastio with the Blue Jays. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For, I thought Cardinals. For some reason, I forgot he signed as a free agent. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, in the Stephen Matz deal with mm-hmm. the Blue Jays. Um, and no, he was, yeah, he was, uh, he was on the Mets last year. He had okay. a 352 BABIP against. Um, that's not likely to repeat itself. And uh, speaking of changeups, uh, hitters were one for 12 with six strikeouts on wow. at bats that ended on his changeup. So he's got a good changeup. Do you know how often he throws it? Or, like, where it is in his arsenal? Like, if it's priority, if it's... Um, I think he throws it maybe, like, 20% of the time. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll look, I'll look so at it. So it's probably, like, second or third then, especially if he's a he's a reliever. So he probably only has, like, two or three pitches in his arsenal. Right, right. I'm uh, looking him up again here. Sean Reed Foley, change up. Uh, it's third in his arsenal behind his fastball and slider. Um, uh, he only used it 13.2% of the time okay. last year. Um, but it's been pretty effective. Like hitters hit, uh, 292 off his fastball and 304 off his slider, but 083 off his changeup. So maybe that's something that he will bring more into his arsenal and maybe he'll throw it more like 25% of the time instead of 13% of the time. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, granted small sample size, uh, your or wait, your player to watch from the Mets. It was Brandon Nimmo. Oh yeah, it was Brandon Nimmo. <laughs> uh, your question. Your My question. question. This is a meme question. Uh, what will be higher, Jeff McNeil's batting average or James McCann's OBP? <laughs> James McCann. Well, uh, he had a sub three hundred OBP last year. I think it was like two ninety. Yeah, James McCann. He was good. He was good in, like, 2019, I remember. Mm-hmm. McNeil also coming off a not great year. I'm going to say James McCann's OBP because, uh, you know, I don't know what uh, – yeah, I don't know where Jeff McNeil will be at. But I, I imagine he bounces back, but I feel like James McCann will probably not be as bad as he was last year. Yeah. Um, My question uh, – Will Francisco Lindor have over or under a 799.5 OPS? Over. I'm over. taking the over. I'm I'm all in on the resurgence here of Mr. Smile. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For reference, uh, 729 OPS last year. Um, yeah, he had it. He had over an 800 OPS in 2019 and probably all the years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the Phillies. Yeah. They, they went 82 and 80 and finished second in the National their, League. They East. had their best uh, record since 2011. Yeah, they had their best record in a decade and finished second in the National League East and missed the playoffs. Uh, they lost Andrew McCutcheon, Hector Neris, Brad Miller. Hector Ian- Neris. <laughs> what, what a tenure. I mean, like, he was just forever a Philly. He yeah, was more he of was. a Philly than Mike Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Like, there was, there was. You know, in Philly, there was 
there was three certainties in life: death taxes and Hector Neris as the opening day closer, yeah. and just always being the closer. <laughs> no matter who was in there, like the amount of names that Dave Dombrowski just desperately brought in there every year in and year out to try to like patch up the bullpen. Hector Neris is closing. He's, don't care. He's that. He was that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he was, and not. Th- I don't mean that guy in a good in like a good way. He was just there. He was always <laughs> his best ability was availability. Yeah, and he was there. As the closer, every opening day, <laughs> and every closing day too. Like uh, yeah. no one was, no one ever dared take his. He has, uh, I mean, he only has eighty-four career saves. He had twelve last year, five in twenty twenty, but that was twenty twenty. Twenty-eight in twenty nineteen, eleven in twenty eighteen, twenty-six in twenty seventeen. Yeah, you know what? The guy was always going to be there. You could count on him. Yeah, <laughs> you could count on him being there, being good. <laughs> question mark. Um, and they, uh, yeah, they, so they lost Andrew McCutcheon, Hector Neris, Brad Miller, Ian Kennedy, uh, Archie Bradley, and I, I put Archie Bradley twice. Uh, <laughs> never mind. So, and they added Nick Castellanos. So, you know, if anything tragic happens, <laughs> wait for his at bat. Uh, they also added Kyle Schwarber, Corey Kniebel, Jerice Familia, and, uh, Brad Hand. You know, we'll yeah. see about it. Um, <laughs> Brad Hand, Brad That's, Hand, Brad Hand in the Phillies bullpen just seems like a match made in hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I can, yeah, I can. It's very see weird it. because he was great in 2020, and I was just like, I couldn't tell you why, but I was just like, no, why is he good? <laughs> and like all of his peripherals were good too. Like he had very good strikeout numbers. I don't think he gave up a home run in the regular season. Like he never blew a save opportunity in the regular season. He just doesn't look intimidating. Like, closers, like he's a left-handed. Like he's a le- like. How many left-handed closers are there that don't throw that hard? Like when I think of left-handed closers, it's like Araldis Chapman. It's like yeah, that guy throws a million miles an hour. Andrew yeah. Miller, that guy is a wipeout slider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad Hand. To be fair, he was awesome with the Mets last year. <laughs> Still felt weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the Blue Jays, however. Yeah, Brad Hand like. Within the Phillies uniform, I can already see like, y- you know the the pitch the pitcher shot after they give up the home run with like the yeah. hand in his with his head in his glove. I can just yeah. I can see that. it's got it's got to be like up by one with yeah <laughs> two outs in the ninth too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, dude. In twenty twenty, he had eleven point nine strikeouts per nine, one point six walks per nine, zero home runs per nine, a two hundred five ERA, a one thirty seven FIP. Granted, it was in twenty twenty, so it was a shortened season. Sixteen for sixteen in save opportunities, and he came in to save that game against the Yankees in the wild card series. And I was like, I mean, the Yankees are scoring here. <laughs> <laughs> it just only made sense. Um. So so yeah. So they lost. Or, or, they added Brad Hand. Um, the Phillies were a team where I originally put a righty reliever, but I, I was like, you know what? I, I, <laughs> it's a, the Phillies. You can't do that. There's another guy where I can I can manage mm-hmm. uh, talking about him because I actually looked at his spring t- training stats, and I wonder they're probably updated since. Uh, I yeah, sh- I'll should check actually, him. I should who actually. We, who are we talking about, Chris? We're talking about Bryson Stott. Yes, we are. We're talking. I'm about, not, but you are. Uh, yeah, Bryson Stott. Who, yeah, let's look at these updated spring stats. Oh, they're the same. Good, good. Bryson Stott, he was the 14th overall pick in 2019. Uh, He's heading into his age 24 season, and he's the number one prospect in the Philly system. 
uh, and in 160 minor league, career minor league games. Oh, also, uh, forgot to mention, he's a shortstop. And um, in the Fangraph projected lineup, when I saw it, he was projected as their starting third baseman against righties. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think there's going to be some service time stuff with that. But uh, in 160 career minor league games, he has hit 298 with an 878 OPS. And in spring training, he's hitting at 522 with a 1346 OPS, which I think might be impressing and might be, you know, we might be debating of, like, who's going to get that third base role, you know, him or Alec Bohm. I think it probably will end, end up being Bohm, just given experience. But I think he should take short over Didi. Yeah, there's yeah potential there for, for defensive sure. reasons. Yeah, defensive reasons as well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy to look at. There's obviously no stat cast data on him, so I can't go too deep. But, you know, 1346 OPS in the spring and, in I think, 22 plate appearances or 22 at-bats. And, uh, you know, career 878 OPS in the minors and, I guess, uh, good defense as well. If I – I should just look at the – Double-check MLB top 100 prospects. He is. He's uh, MLB Major League Baseball had him at 87 or at 45 this year. Sorry. Um, oh, 45 field. Oh, at field? No, I mean just overall. Oh, uh, 55. Oh yeah, 45. 45 num- number 45 overall prospect in baseball. 55 field on the um, 20 to 80 scale, which is you know he's that means he's above average. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, you know, you might see him in the lineup later in the year for the Phillies, um, a guy who can, you know, maybe su- surprise some people. He has in spring training so far. Um, some that, are you done with him? Uh, yeah. You have more? Okay. One thing that I find very interesting is uh, all three of the primary, like, prospect ranking sites have him at completely different places. Baseball America has him at 67 overall. Baseball, uh, Major League Baseball, a.k.a. MLB Pipeline, has him at 45. Baseball Prospectus has him at 93. <laughs> so who knows? He's top 100 for sure. Yeah. Who knows what he really is, though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, your player to watch. From My the player Phillies. to watch on the Phillies. I think the Phillies are a team. Like, their lineup is very good. Their defense is their defense. That's, you know, that's its own topic. Um their bullpen is, you know, it's Death Taxes Phillies bullpen. Uh, but the rotation, I think, is very compelling. I think there is a case that they are very underrated. I think that one particular individual that is very underrated is Zach Eflin. Uh, since the start of 2020, Eflin has pitched 164 and two-thirds innings. He is a 410 ERA and a 358 FIP, as well as 5.75 strikeouts per walk. Uh, that K-to-walk ratio is 7th among the 104 pitchers with at least 150 innings pitched since 2020. The only pitchers that rank above him are Jacob deGrom, Clayton Kershaw, Nathan Ivaldi, Garrett Cole, Max Serger, and Corbin Burns. It's those six, and then it's Zach Eflin. In, uh, sorry, what? Strikeout-to-walk okay. strikeout ratio since 2020, minimum 150 innings pitched. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2020, he became a sinker ball pitcher, and although his average launch angles aren't are exactly what you want for a sinker baller. They're like 7 to 11 degrees, which right. is a little high. Uh, it's still the lowest that he's recorded in his career. And he's also coming off of knee surgery last September, so he's going to be coming back from that. It'll be interesting to see um, how he is after that. But unfortunately, the, the reality is for him, 9.6 hits per nine, probably a 
a product of bad defense behind him, and that's probably going to continue. But the things that he can control, he's going to do very well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the with the Phillies, you know, you're you're kind of on a scale of, like, maybe your ERA doesn't represent how you are as a pitcher. Um, so, you know, it's you can control your strikeouts and your walks. You know, if you have Schwarber or Castellanos out in the outfield, it might not <laughs> help you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, he's, he's he has been underrated. I, I kind of did notice him. I always kind of dismissed him. But yeah, he's uh he's definitely improved over time. Um, all right, question time. My question is, who will have the higher walk rate, Bryce Harper or Kyle Schwarber? Uh Bryce Harper. I mean, that's it's Bryce Harper. Right. <laughs> Not much else to say. My question is very similar though. Uh, the Phillies had a nine point five percent walk rate last year. Actually, pretty good. Uh, they added Kyle Schwarber, who is uh, I've told you about the Kyle Schwarber effect. It it swept through the Red Sox, uh, their clubhouse last year. They also added Nick Castellanos, who he has like a slightly below average walk rate, but the Kyle Schwarber effect. Can they manage a ten percent walk rate this year? Um, that would that would have put them second in the league last year. Yeah, but uh, like I said, nine point five last year. The, the the Kyle Schwarber effect is coming. Yeah, I think they'll make ten percent. Okay. And th- yeah, Bryce Harper will be in the lineup, and yeah, Schwarber like with the Red Sox alone, he had a nineteen percent walk rate. Yes. Um, if you don't know the Kyle Schwarber effect, the Red Sox had the second lowest. Or no, it wasn't second lowest. They had a bottom five walk rate last year until Schwarber came in, and when he joined, from that point on, they had the second highest walk rate in the majors. And it wasn't just him. It was, like, several different members of the team, like, doubled or even tripled their walk rates after Schwarber came in. He had some sort of effect on that clubhouse, and the Red Sox were winning a lot of games. They built up a lot of momentum going into that postseason, which they made a farther run than they expected. And the Kyle Schwarber effect was very real. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um... And yeah, it, like that's one. That's one of the reasons why I kind of am gonna miss having him around. Like, I wish they re-signed him, but yeah, for whatever. sure, for sure. But you know, can't get everything you want. Uh, all right, now we go advance to uh, the Braves. Mm-hmm. Last year went eighty-eight and seventy-three and won the National League East. Uh, they beat the Brewers in the NLDS in four games, beat the Dodgers in the NLCS in six games, and beat the Astros in the World Series in six games. That's right. World Series champion, Atlanta Braves. And uh, over the offseason, they lost Freddie Freeman, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, Jesse Chavez, Chris Martin, Drew Smiley, and Christian Pache. And they added uh, Matt Olson. Kenley Jansen, Colin McHugh, Darren O'Day, and Kirby Yates. Um, and uh, who is your player to watch from the Atlanta Braves? My player to watch is the very last person you just mentioned, Kirby Yates. Nice. Uh, he is, is gonna st- also going to start the season with it. I just keep picking guys who are hurt. <laughs> uh, he's going to start the season on the 60-day IL, so he's not eligible to return until early June. Yeah. Uh, but... Kirby Yates is just a guy that doesn't get appreciated enough. I don't think people realize this, but he is one of two pitchers in baseball history 
with 12.5 strikeouts per nine and three or lower walks per nine in at least 250 innings pitched in his career. The only other person to do that is Kenley Jansen. Hmm. It's Kenley Jansen, Kirby Yates. Uh, his last full season was 2019. Uh, he had a he pitched like four innings in 2020 before he got hurt, and then before 2021 he needed Tommy John surgery. So he hasn't really pitched since 2019, and in that season, he put up a 130 FIP in 60 innings pitched. So I think, you know, the Braves have an excellent bullpen, especially with the addition of Kenley Jansen, the other person with 12.5 strikeouts per nine and three or less walks per nine uh, in 250 innings pitched. But they're going to be on the same team now, and I think Kirby Yates is going to be end up being a very underrated addition for the Braves come the All-Star break, come... I mean, if he's back by the All-Star break come the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Kirby Yates, like, he's he was someone who um, probably should have won National League Reliever of the Year in 2019 and has just had injury issues. At, but, you know, when he's on the mound, when he's been on the mound as of late, like, he also had a good 2018. You know, when he's been on the mound as of late, uh, you know, great, great, great pitcher. Um so my player to watch is also one of their additions, a little more pri- ho- high profile. It is Matt Olt. No, it's uh, it's Colin McHugh, who you know a little higher profile. Uh, Righty reliever number two. Um, what? Righty reliever number two of the day. Righty reliever number two of the day. Uh, just getting started. Colin McHugh last year had a one five five ERA, two one two FIP, and a two two six expected ERA. Out of the 269 pitchers with 60-plus innings pitched last year, he was 4th in ERA, 5th in FIP, and 6th in expected ERA. And uh, a lot of his success came with the increased usage of his slider. Uh, He developed it in 2017, and its usage since then has gone from 14.3% to 23.8% to 43.4% to now 52.9% in 2021. So over half the time... He's using that slider and it's working very well for him. Since the start of 2018, hitters have slugged 266 off that slider with a 252 expected slugging. In this span, out of 519 pitchers to throw a, a type of pitch uh, 1,250 times, McHugh's slider ranks 17th in slugging and 18th in expected slugging, which are both top 3.5% in baseball. Uh, 17th and 18th in uh, out of 519, so he's top 3.5% in baseball. So, you know, if he keeps going with that slider, you know, I mean, we t- we talked about it uh, last week when we when he was added, like super under the radar signing that people aren't talking about enough. Um, he was so so effective last $4 year. Four million dollars. Yeah, I think. How do the Braves do this? Unbelievable. I think I think it might have been. Uh, I think when I was looking at it, it was like two years, ten million, which is like maybe it was four years in the first year, but yeah, like uh, that's so little for what he should be getting, given what he did last year. I mean, fourth out of two hundred sixty-nine in the ERA, yeah, uh, among pitchers with sixty plus innings pitch. Um, question time. Yes, buy or sell. Hoskar Yanoa will lead this rotation in K-to-walk ratio. He had four last year. Huh. It's tough because, um, yeah, Morton's a good strikeout guy. Uh, Freed is a good not-walking guys guy, I think. I mean, yeah. Um, 
if I'm if uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think yeah, like Ian Anderson. He's not the biggest strikeout to walk ratio guy because he walks. Because he walks a lot of people. He walks a good amount of people. Um, I will sell though. Yeah, I think I'll I think I'll say like Freed might have more. Okay. Um, my question is also regarding the rotation. Um, so as good as they were last year, neither Max Freed nor Charlie Morton received Cy Young votes. Will one, both, or neither receive Cy Young votes this year? Uh, I'm gonna say just Freed. Just Freed. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. He. I mean, he had. I don't know if I have much of an explanation, but that's just how I'm feeling. Well, an explanation could be like, I mean. We look at how great he was in the second half last year. I think. Yep. I think his second half ERA, if I remember correctly, was one seven four, which was mm-hmm. like fifth out of however many qualifiers. And my more my what I mean by that is like why not Morton? Um, oh, I think there's just a lot of guys National League, even without Degrom, is very deep. Yeah, and he's you know heading into his age thirty eight season. Yeah. Um. So it could be somewhat difficult. Um, so yeah, so that wraps up the uh, the National League East, mm-hmm. and we have the American League East to talk about, which uh, I guess consensus most interesting division uh, in baseball right now. Um, and we start out uh, with the uh, most interesting team. That's right, the Baltimore Orioles. They went fifty-two and one hundred ten and finished last in the AL East. They lost uh, Matt Harvey, and I put this in. I put in a, a subtraction mostly because of you, not because of necessarily significance. But Marcos Duplan, <laughs> they lost as well. Um, <laughs> they added Rugnet Odor, Robinson Chirinos, and Jordan Lyles. That's mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> um, so my player to watch is uh, this. Isn't you know, it's just kind of a fun guy again. Although I don't know, he has potential to be better than he's, uh, you know, his ERA shows. Uh, Tyler Wells, righty reliever, um, twenty-seven year old right-handed reliever. He had a four-one-one ERA, a three-six-three FIP, and a three-six-three expected ERA. Ten point three strikeouts per nine, one point nine walks per nine, uh, which is a five point four strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, he kind of had a, a little Aaron Bummer, not because of it, a little Aaron Bummer type season, not because of his, um, not necessarily because of his launch angle at all. It's quite the opposite, actually. Uh, so his 4.11 ERA was in the bottom 25% of relievers with 50 plus innings pitched. But his 603 OPS against was in the top 25%. So bottom 25% ERA, top 25% OPS. Usually there's a strong, there's like a you know tight correlation between the two. Usually if you have a good OPS against, you have a good ERA, but not the case with Tyler Wells. Um, along with that, uh, his 5.4 strikeout to walk ratio was ninth out of 141 pitchers with 50 plus uh, innings pitched. His problem was with runners in scoring position. Hitters slashed 349, 388, 698, 1086 off of him with runners in scoring position. A 1086 OPS uh, with runners in scoring position. His BABIP against with runners in scoring position was 423. It's not likely to repeat itself. <laughs> uh, that BABIP 
um, was the 17th highest out of 459 pitchers to face 40-plus batters with runners in scoring position, which is in the top 4%. In layman's terms, he was top 4% unluckiest when there were uh, runners in scoring position. Along with that, there is an interesting element for him. Uh, He has a 24.8-degree average launch angle against. uh, he, He had it in 2021 which was the fifth highest out of 436 pitchers with 100-plus batted balls against. Uh, so that's like top 1%, basically. Um, you know, fifth highest out of 436. Yeah. Um, Tyler Wells, interesting, interesting guy. Where did you find sure. out about him? Uh, I I told you about Tyler Wells like three me. months ago. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I – yeah, I like – was it the launch angle thing? I mean, I can get into it because he's my player to watch. Oh, okay. <laughs> I told you about Tyler Wells in like December. I was like, you got to listen about this. I think this I forget awesome every, relief pitcher from the Orioles. I think I forget like every everything <laughs> baseball after the lockout. <laughs> so my player to watch on the Orioles is a reliever by the name of Tyler Wells. Uh, of the 144 qualified relievers in 2021, his uh, 5.42 K-to-walk ratio ranks 11th. From June 2nd on, his 9.5 K-to-walk ratio trailed only Liam Hendricks and Emmanuel Classe. He was third in K-to-walk ratio from June 2nd on. When pitching on the road, he had a 114 ERA in 23 and two-thirds innings pitched. That ranked 11th among the 191 relievers with at least 20 innings pitched on the road. He gave up nine home runs last year. All of them were at Camden Yards. And you know what they're doing with Camden Yards, Chris? They're pushing that wall back. And they're pushing it back pretty significantly. 26 feet back. They're making the wall like four feet higher or something like that. So Tyler Wells uh, is going to benefit greatly from what the Orioles are doing at Camden Yards. Uh, because, like I said, nine home runs given up, all of them at home. That's going to take a few off the board, which is awesome. Um, his, I, I can't believe you've done this to me. <laughs> his 198 slugging percentage against on the road ranked fifth, uh, and his ERA was the 11th lowest, like I mentioned. His 2021 was the only season in baseball history with a 4-plus ERA and a whip below 950. Minimum 45 innings pitch. So that is yeah. uh, my segment on Tyler Wells. I mean, you had a lot more information <laughs> on uh, on Tyler Wells. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I told you all about it like three months ago. Yeah, it was three months <laughs> ago. I don't remember. <laughs> well, I don't I, like very rarely will be like, well, I'll be like, I got to tell you about this guy. I don't and know. That was like one of two <laughs> times. <laughs> but Tyler Wells, I was like, this guy is amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's got a, uh, he's got. He's got his traits, and I don't know. I've, I'm. Completely... I, I, no, I believe you that you don't remember. Yeah. But it's... I told you about him, and I was like, I told you about this guy, and now you're making him your player to watch. That's so cheap. Yeah. No, I don't remember. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't do that. It you wouldn't know, just. I know, because like, when we did the White Sox, part of me wanted to put Aaron Bummer, but I was yeah. like, I can't do that. That's Chris's <laughs> guy. That's Chris's territory. He claimed him. Yeah. In in like it would be like last year if I was like. This Robbie Ray guy is pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Like and and yeah. There's a there's another there's a guy in the future and the a guy um in in a team we're gonna talk about later today that uh, there's a guy straight straight away from um, because of your interest. I don't know if you're gonna go with him, but uh, I don't know if I am. Yeah, I don't know if you are. But uh, question time. 
My question is, uh, pretty basic, will Cedric Mullins make it back to the All-Star game? Uh, yeah, someone's going to need to go. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's required. <laughs> yeah. I guess, will he earn <laughs> Will, will, he, he, earn will he deservingly be an All-Star? Um, yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's still, he was a very good player last year, very dynamic. Uh, he had two five-hit games, I think. Right. Uh, yeah, like I said, someone's going to need to go. And, I mean, also, like, worth noting, we talked about how, you know, the Orioles are moving that fence back. Cedric Mullins is not really going to be affected by that. Like, I feel terrible for Ryan Mountcastle because yeah. that, that just sucks. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I'm sure it'll – I'm sure the Orioles will be better as a team because they're going to give up significantly less home runs compared to how much they're losing themselves. Right. But if any Orioles hitter is going to be affected, it has to be Ryan Mountcastle. Poor yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, him and, like, Trey Mancini. I can't wait for his home run to fly ball ratio at home to be cut in half. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it was, like, I don't know, like, 17% before, and now it's, like, 8%. Right, right. Um, your question. My question, since 2000... Wait, you went first. Um, oh, wait, you, you already said your question. Yeah. Since 2017, the Orioles have recorded a team ERA of 450 or higher. Can they get below that mark this year? Uh... They had an ERA of 450 or higher mm-hmm. in 20, uh, since every year since 2017. Every year since 2017. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, um, that's a good question. Well, <laughs> like, uh, with the addition of Jordan Lyles, like, what isn't possible? Well, <laughs> the, fence. the fence. The fence. Oh, yeah, right? it's the that's, fence. That's the thing, is the fence. It's the fence. It's the fence. Huh. Um, I'm going to s- say they they still have a ERA above okay. 4.5. Um, yeah, I just do. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they're the Orioles, uh, you know, and that's just their rotation. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being too much of a pessimist. Yeah. But I will say above 4.5. I 4. mean, 5. it's warranted. <laughs> yeah, it's warranted. It's warranted. Um, but, yeah, I forget. I forget about that fence. Oh, I can't wait until like you know the Red Sox play there, and you know it'll be a it'll be a nice shot to left, and I'll be like oh, and then I'll and then the and then the uh, left field the the outfield camera will show yep. up, and I'll be like no, <laughs> no, that's like twenty rows deep last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm gonna forget it so much like the whole year. Well, like when they said they were moving it back, I didn't really think much of it. They're really moving it back. Yeah, like they are. Like, they were like, yeah, Ryan Mountcastle's hitting 10 home runs this year. <laughs> yeah. Like, they don't care. It it was it went from, like, 330 to 355 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. That is, yeah, no, they and, they and they made it taller, too. Right, yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. I'm going to see if there's a picture of it. <laughs> so the Orioles, they, they Okay, yeah, this. here it is. See, everything, everything right here is going. White is going to be the start of the seats. This white section here is going to be where the seats That's start. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So the Orioles, they have this really good idea. They're gonna, they're gonna push it to. <laughs> they're three. like, oh, our pitching sucks. <laughs> I have an idea. It would have been funny if they were like, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna have a, three hundred ten foot, but we're gonna make it thirty seven feet tall. And you know how mm-hmm. our walls are green, so it's, it'll be like this big green monster in left, <laughs> eating up all the, <laughs> eating up all the doubles. This is doubles. a like a blueprint. Yeah, that's like it's the same. Like, look at that. Look at where the bullpen starts. 
<laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's four hundred to left center. Mm. That's crazy. Um, you know what's funny is like they also took out probably like a thousand or so seats. It's yeah. the Orioles, so it doesn't matter at That's all. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no! The like, what if, like, what if the Red Sox just chopped like a thousand seats out of Fenway? Yeah, that's tough. Which, to be fair, it's also a ballpark built in 1912, so they naturally don't have a lot. But what if, like, the Dodgers did that? Yeah. It's yeah. like, what are we doing? The Orioles, <laughs> it literally does not matter at all. <laughs> that's such a good even point. In, even in the years where they were good, it does not matter. It's such a good – that's such a good point. It's going to be funny when the Orioles are like – I guarantee you they're going to be like, hey, ticket sales are up this year. Camden Yards was this percent failed compared <laughs> to that percent last year. <laughs> I guess we're really doing something good here. You guys really loved Adley Rushman, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So now we move on to the Blue Jays. <laughs> the Orioles have gotten enough attention. <laughs> it's the most attention we've ever given them besides the one show we did about their team from eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, didn't even make the, that, that didn't even make the World Series. And they didn't even win a game in the Championship Series. Yeah, I felt bad with the History Series because, like, also, you know, we didn't we didn't talk about, like, Cal Ripken or any like lifelong Orioles. We basically like our entire Orioles dedication was on the Frank player side, side was Frank Robinson, <laughs> who spent like six years with the team. Good years. He won a triple yeah. crown. I was gonna say like probably still one of the best players in franchise history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with the Blue Jays, uh, this is a team who is coming off a ninety-one and seventy-one season, albeit fourth in the American League East, uh, and they lost. Marcus Simeon, Robbie Ray, Steven Matz, Randall Grichik, and Corey Dick- Dickerson. But they added Kevin Gosman, Matt Chapman, Yusei Kikuchi, Yimmy Garcia, and uh, Raimel Tapia. You know, funny funny uh, analytical guy. Yes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> so who is your player to watch I think it's very funny Jays. I think it's very funny that this team lost the Cy Young winner and an MVP finalist and we're and we look at them as being better than last year yeah yeah it is funny how that works um anyway my player to watch is uh one of those pitchers that is on the younger side it's Alec Manoa you gave me that look <laughs> like you have Alec Manoa too yeah this is two straight teams now uh Alec Manoa is one of 10 rookies in major league history to have an ERA above an ERA plus above 130 and 10 plus Ks per nine a minimum 100 innings pitched. Uh, so that was a very good season of his last year. He displayed a four pitch arsenal and all of the pitchers were effective except for his curveball, uh, which was only thrown 10% of the time. So of the 224 pitchers last season through who threw at least 1000 fastballs and I think it's supposed to be off-speed pitches. Uh, Manoa's 298 slugging percentage against on said pitches were the 15th lowest. So the pitches that were effective were really effective, and that was most of his arsenal. Uh, so Alec Manoa, I think he's going to take a step forward this year. I think he's going to pitch a lot more innings, and he's going to be one of the better pieces in a Blue Jays rotation that already looks pretty good anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you already have Kevin Gosman and Jose Barrios. Uh, so, yeah, they're they're in a great spot rotationally with the with the lineup you know everything uh my analysis on alec manoa who is my player to watch um because i didn't want to go with another reliever because <laughs> it's just too many too many uh for my for my side uh yeah 11th overall pick in the 2019 mlb draft had a very good rookie season in 2021 as a 23 year old rookie 
3.22 ERA and a 3.30 expected ERA and 111 and two thirds innings pitch. Uh, and you, when you look at the Savant page, it's it's clean. It's 86 percentile in average exit velocity against, 93rd percentile in hard hit rate, 82nd percentile in expected ERA, 81st percentile in barrel rate, 79th percentile in strikeout rate, and 75th percentile in whiff rate. And uh, a fun little uh, how about that on him? He had the only Blue Jays rookie season ever with 100 plus innings pitch and 10 plus strikeouts per nine. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Blue Jay. Yeah, that's borderline the same stat that I had. Oh, what what was yours? Uh, one of ten rookie seasons in major league history with a hundred innings pitch, ten Ks per nine, and an ERA plus above one thirty. <laughs> yeah, I, I just whittled it down to the Blue Jays who. And you took out the ERA plus. Yeah, who like the Blue Jays? You know, outside of Roy Halladay, Roy Halladay, and like Dave, Dave Steve, Roger Clemens, and yeah, Roger. But he wasn't even two years. wasn't even a rookie with the Blue Jays. Yeah, like not not the. I think Roger Clemens' rookie season did have that though, just not in Toronto. Yeah, he had a great. Yeah, he he was involved in another. He was involved in my Logan Gilbert stat. Yep. Um. Uh, So question time. No, he didn't have. He didn't have ten strikeouts per nine, but he had nine point nine in nineteen eighty eight. Fun. Good for him. (laughs) Uh, What is your question? My question: uh, Which addition proved to be more impactful, Matt Chapman or Kevin Gosman? Um, which will prove to be more impactful. Um, it's funny because with, with Kevin Gosman, it's more like you can observe it more just because of, mm-hmm. you know, you know when a pitcher's doing good. Uh, with Matt Chapman, it's it's going to come both offensively and defensively. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting because Kevin Gosman, he improved with the Giants. I think the Giants have been doing well with player development over the past few years given – um, you know, they've had a new GM and a new analytics department and very young coaches. It's been written about a lot. Um, so maybe him getting away from that might dilute his performance. Matt Chapman, um, you know, was one of the best position players in all of baseball in 2018 and 2019. In 2020, he ran into injury troubles. And then last year, he wasn't quite the same. Uh, hmm. Maybe a change of environment might be good for Chapman. Um, more impactful for the Blue Jays, uh, and that's also different. It's not that's, necessarily yeah, it's not, who's better. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say uh, Kevin Gosman because yeah, I think they need it. They they needed a pitcher more than they needed a position player. Mm-hmm. So I'll say Kevin Gosman. I, I don't know necessarily if he'll have the better season, like more wins above replacement, but I think he'll be more impactful and he'll probably I think he'll probably be the the number one starter in the postseason for them um my question uh, also includes Kevin Gosman who will have more strikeouts Jose Barrios or Kevin Gosman um that's a good question because they both have very good strikeout numbers uh I think Kevin Gosman pitches slightly more innings and they have similar K per nines so I'm gonna say Gosman for that reason Nice. Uh, do we go for the sweep and have the same player to watch on every team in this division? <laughs> uh, I I think with the Yankees. So I, with the Yankees, I have two. I have two okay, players. I have to watch. two with the Rays. So and for for one particular Yankee, I think there's for sure. Like you've you've talked about this one guy with with the Yankees. Um, maybe maybe it was 
I won't. I won't. Yeah. Go too far into it. Yeah. So the Yankees last year they went uh, 92 and 70. They finished third in the AL East and lost to the Red Sox in the AL Wild Card game. They lost Corey Kluber, Luke Voigt, Gio Urshela, uh, Gary Sanchez, Brett Gardner, Rugnet Odor, and Clint Frazier. And they added Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. They just added Jose Trevino. Oh, you know, good for them. Uh, You know what was really funny? Um, So this trade just happened. Uh, The Rangers got um, Albert Abreu and a pitching prospect, and the Yankees got Jose Trevino, who's a catcher. And the pitching prospect, someone, like a Yankees Instagram page, like made a post saying, like, good luck in Texas, and this was an exchange. Wait, what? <laughs> you got traded. I did? <laughs> this dude just found out he got traded through a Yankees source on Instagram. <laughs> Jose Trevino. I, like uh, uh, six, 607 OPS. Yeah. Yeah. Good defensively, though, I think. That's good. That's good. Um, so, wait, whose turn is it to go first? Oh, yeah, it's my turn, I think. Um, yeah. So, the first player I'll talk about is the one I think we might have overlap on, uh, Clay Holmes. Not. Oh, great. Yeah. Love it. Man, that was one thing where I thought, that was the one where I thought there was going to be overlap. Yeah. But Clay Holmes, uh, last year, he had a 161 ERA, 2.10 FIP, and 8.5 strikeout to walk ratio in 28 innings with the Yankees alone. Not overall in the year, but with the Yankees alone, he had those numbers. Uh, overall in the year, his ground ball rate was 68.5%, and his average launch angle against was negative 6.5 degrees. That's this awesome. is an archetype we love to see. That's awesome. <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, his ground ball rate was second highest of the 304 pitchers to have 150-plus batted balls against them and his average launch angle against was the lowest out of those 304 pitchers he used his sinker 58.58.9 percent of the time last year and after joining the yankees his sink his sinker had a 254 expected slugging against um you know good to note and out of 94 out of the 94 pitchers to throw 150 plus sinkers after he was traded to the Yankees, his expected slugging on his sinker was the lowest. So he had the best sinker um, yeah. with expected slugging after he got traded to the That's Yankees. That's like one of the most important stats with sinkers because you're not supposed to allow extra base hits. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it also means like he's not having a high average against basically too because you need, you know, he's he's not he's not giving up. You know, a, a two fifty average would be you know, average, mm-hmm. and it's obviously lower than that. Um, so, yeah, great great stuff from Clay Holmes. And, you know, also note, like, I think he averages 96 on his sinker. You know, he had over 10 strikeouts per nine with the Yankees in those 28 innings. Like, that's a that's a guy who, you know, I think got kind of overlooked last year, but great addition and uh, should probably be continuing to do very good things. I think he's heading into, like, his age 28 season maybe. And my second player to watch, this was because I was looking for stats on the Rays and not even a particular player, but I was looking to see, like, who got unlucky. That's kind of what I was looking for. And uh, the one of the highest, one of the most unlucky players last year was Kyle Higashioka. Um, and I think this is an important guy because they just let go of Gary Sanchez, and he's probably going to be your starting catcher come opening day. Uh, last year, Kyle Higashioka had a 635 OPS, 
but he had a 71-point unlucky difference in WOBA wow. and expected WOBA. His WOBA was 272, which is not good. His expected WOBA was 343, which is I think the average WOBA is average WOBA and expected WOBA is like 320-ish, and uh, his expected WOBA was 343. And uh, out of 404 batters with 100 plus batted balls, he was second unluckiest. Uh, he had a 15. 0.6% barrel rate, which was 28th among those batters, which is top 7%. And he had a 48.1% hard hit rate, which is 49th among those batters, top 13%. So, like, you know, hitting the ball hard, getting barrels. Uh, just got pretty unlucky last year. Second unluckiest out of 404 batters. Uh, and, you know, I think maybe the Yankees... Yankees fans shouldn't panic too much about, you know, lack of offense in the catcher position because Kyle Higashioka, like, I, I imagine he does a lot better than he did last year given the underlying numbers. Cool. So your player to watch with the Yankees. My player to watch is someone who's definitely more high profile than the two you just named, but it's someone who I don't really know what to expect from this year. Uh, it's Luis Severino. Uh, he is coming off his – it's it's going to be his first year coming off of his injury. Uh, and the Yankees are going to ask a lot for him. He's projected to be probably the number two or three starter in that rotation. And he hasn't pitched a full season since 2018. But uh, in the time that he has pitched since then, he has shown glimpses of his past greatness. He's thrown 18 innings pitched between 2019 and 2021. And in those 18 innings, he has a flat one ERA, uh, 12 and a half strikeouts per nine, and three and a half walks per nine. So he's been excellent in the time that he has uh, been pitching in the time that he could. And it's spring training, he's been struggling, I know, but I believe he pitched a lot better today, um, and so that was really encouraging. I'm just going to check and see what the full numbers, what they were for him today. Um, I know coming into today, he had like a 17 ERA after two starts, but today, uh, four innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts. So a very good outing uh, against the, a Braves lineup that included um, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, uh, Guillermo Heredia. Uh, I guess those are really the only, like, if you can call them starters. But still, I mean, that's a very encouraging last start of spring training for him. And uh, I think a lot of the Yankees' success, specifically in the rotation, is riding on what he's able to do this year. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, he's been he's been missing, like, you know, as you mentioned, only, what, 18 innings since mm-hmm. 2019. And, yeah, like, he's – he can be a great compliment to Garrett Cole, you know, outside of Garrett Cole, the, you know, you have like Jordan Montgomery as your number two and, you know, he's pretty good, but he's more of a number three type guy, especially when you're a team like the Yankees who's you know, trying to compete for a postseason spot, mm-hmm. trying to compete for a, a division title. So, so yeah, like you have, you have that, you need Luis Severino back healthy, um, I realized I forgot to put a question for the Yankees, so I'm figuring that out right now. <laughs> I just t- completely blanked on it. None of the other teams. I just forgot a question for the Yankees, um, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm looking to see. Okay, uh, I don't know if I should go with the basic question, or if I should go. <laughs> I mean, why not both? Why not both? Okay, my first question. I'll I'll do um yeah I'll start off with a basic question, who will lead the 
team in home runs this year? Uh, I'll just say Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. Yeah. He did it last year with 39. He did. If he, if he stays healthy, there's no reason he can't, even with Josh Donaldson, Joey Gallo, and Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup. And, uh, okay, um, will DJ LeMayhew be able to um, – will DJ LeMayhew have uh, – over or under an 809.5 OPS? 809.5. Um, I mean, last year he really had quite a bit of a power outage. Yeah. Uh, his slugging percent kind of tanked. Yeah. Um, 10 home runs. Yeah. I'm going to say under because, I mean, I don't know. Like, he's probably going to get less playing time with the amount of infielders they have, even after trading Luke Voigt. Because um, he doesn't really fit in defensively anywhere. That's true. Um, and DH, like, Stanton's got to play there because he can't play the outfield for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think he gets less playing time this year, and for that reason I think he stays under because he's become much more of a singles hitter, specifically last year, than he had been in the past. Right, uh, right. So I'm going to stick with, yeah, I'm going to stay under on that one. Um, all right. Uh, My, I also had who leads this team in home runs. Yeah. Um, I'm going to um, – Maybe because I'm more rooting for it, but I'll go with Joey Gallo. Yeah, I, I, for a second, I wish I said him. Yeah, I mean, because he is the best. Knock on wood, he is the best out of him, Stanton, Judge, and Donaldson. He is the best track record of staying healthy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, he does. Like, even though, he, yeah, he ran into injury trouble in 2019, but since like, that's only one time. That's only once. Yeah. yeah. Like Judge and Stanton, it's been multiple times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like uh, yeah, it, it it will it would be fun to just see Joey Gallo go ham this year after all the criticism. Yeah. Um. Because he dresses weird. Because he dresses weird. And or, I'm sorry, he gets dressed weird. He gets dressed weird, and he uh, doesn't get on base the correct way. Yeah. <laughs> he has is, a very good OBP, but he he doesn't get on base right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so now moving on to our hometown team, um, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Last year went 92-70, and 70, finished second in the AL East, beat the Yankees in the AL wildcard game, beat the Rays in the ALDS in four games, and lost to the Astros in the ALCS in six games. And they lost Kyle Schwarber, Eduardo Rodriguez, Hunter Renfro, Adam Adovino, Martin Perez, and Garrett Richards. And they added Trevor Story, and then Michael Walker, Rich Hill, Jake Diekman, Jackie Bradley Jr., James Paxton, and Matt Strom. Uh, who is your player to watch? My player to watch, I want to say this was your player to watch last year, unless we had the same person. Um, so I apologize for repeating yours if that's true, but I have Bobby Dahl back this year. Mm-hmm. Um, last year he was in the 98th percentile in barrel rate, and he is one of the hardest hitters in baseball with being uh, top 15 percentile in average exit velo, hard hit rate, and slugging percentage. Or ex-slugging percentage, sorry. From August 1st on last season, he slashed 288, 369, 7, or 683 for a 1053 OPS with a 174 weighted runs created plus. That 683 slugging percentage led the American League uh, and was third in the majors, minimum 150 plate appearances. And from April to July... Uh, Dahlbeck's walk-to-strikeout ratio, it's its reversed for hitters. Yeah. Uh, his walk-to-strikeout ratio was 0.12, which was the third worst of the 258 hitters with at least 200 plate appearances. And from August on, it went up to 0.33. So nice. it almost tripled. 
uh, which point three three still isn't that great, but it's major progress for him. Uh, so he showed some flashes of uh, of really getting out and of breaking out and not being that big strikeout guy that he had been in the past. Right. And I think there's a lot of uh, interest surrounding what he's gonna what they're gonna do with him this season because he's the starting first baseman, but they also have Tristan Cassis in the minors, and you know if he comes up and he rakes, they got to put him in, but also. You know, maybe he could play outfield. I think what they do with him is if Bobby, I mean, it really depends on him, really, because let's say, you know, if he comes up and he's struggling, then you just put him on the bench. It's easy. But if he comes up and he's raking and Tristan Cassis comes up, I think what you do is you put Dahlbeck in right field, which it might be an experience, but you have Jackie Bradley Jr. as a defensive replacement. That's true. And a lot of this really depends on Bobby Dahlbeck's performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. And, like, yeah, he was one of the best hitters. One of the best hitters in baseball, like, from basically the trade deadline on, you know, kind of when, <laughs> like, there were a lot of fans pushing for the Red Sox to get a different first baseman. Mm-hmm. But it uh, didn't end up happening, but it, it still worked out for the Red Sox with, with Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, my player to watch, um, so you mentioned, like, how it might have been my player to watch, but I kind of, I did it on, I made him my player to watch on the spot because we had the same player to watch last year who is also my player to watch this year <laughs> tanner hauck yeah um because i think i think you know f- with red sox fans it's easy to point out like oh it's tanner hauck obviously mm-hmm. but i think with the average fan it, it might not resonate as much uh in 86 career innings uh he has a 293 era and a 271 fip uh he basically saved the red sox pitching in game two of the alds last year you know chris yeah. sale uh, gave up a grand slam in the first inning, and then Tanner Howe came in, five innings of one-run ball, and uh, saved that bullpen, and uh, you know was able to, under the radar, kind of help the Red Sox succeed for the rest of the series. Um, last year, he was in the 82nd percentile in average exit velocity against, and in the 85th percentile in expected ERA. Also in his career, hitters hit 134, with a 179 slugging on his slider alone. And uh, he uses his slider about 35% of the time around there. And uh, he's projected to be the Red Sox number three starter this year, especially with uh, Chris Sale being out. So, yeah, so Tanner Houck, like, you know, he, he kind of got service time manipulated a l- little bit last year. You know, he was kind of up and down in the minors. You know, I would expect a consistent, uh, uh, definitely a more consistent starting role with the Red Sox uh, this year, which is something I'm excited about. I'm excited to have him to, to have him as a have a consistent role. Um, Cause also, also last year before he was ever sent out of the minors, there was like, you know, he was getting uh, taken out of the rotation for Garrett Richards. You know, there was that controversy, you know, we like to forget about that now, but there was that controversy. Now Tanner Houck, he's going to be in the rotation and he's going to stay in the rotation because yes. You know, there aren't too many other options now for the Red Sox. Uh, Question time. Uh, Which is more likely? And, I mean, if 5% likely is more likely, then so be it. Which is more likely, a Rafael Devers defensive breakout or a JBJ offensive resurgence? (laughs) This is a funny question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we've seen both before. What? Yeah, so, like, (laughs) what are our metrics for resurgences uh i guess ops plus and defensive run saved so like if 
if if Bradley was above average offensively, I wouldn't even that, say that. I would say like 90. 90 OPS plus. <laughs> Devers, if he breaks even. Yeah, yeah, if he breaks even offensively. So basically, if they're above replacement at <laughs> offensively or defensively. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I'm gonna say I think defense is more likely to like you. You are what you are. Uh-huh. So I'm gonna say um, more likely Jackie Bradley Jr. Offensive resurgence. And wow. Maybe, maybe it's my wow. maybe it's my heart being like, can we just see? Can we? T- I, you were I, back in like 2016 mode. I just I just don't want to see this you know Renfro <laughs> trade crash and burn. And I'm rooting for Alex Benelas too, like hard because I. I really don't want this to just fail miserably like I yeah. think it will. Um, my question, uh, Nathan Eovaldi last year had a FIP of 2.79. Will he keep his FIP below three? Ooh, that's asking a lot. It is asking um, a lot. It's tough to do. <sighs> Hit a crazy strikeout-to-walk ratio. Uh, I think .7 homers I per think nine. the biggest factor in that is home runs. Yeah. Because, like, I'm pretty – like I, I think I'm most confident in his ability to prevent walks. Yeah. Uh, he still throws upper 90s, so I, I think his strikeout rate should be fine. I think command is the big question. A sub three FIP is a lot to ask. I mean, if it's 3.05, that's still very good. Yes. But yes. I don't. I don't think I can bank on that. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say over on that. All right. Yeah. I totally understand that. Um. All right. So now. Um, on to our last team, the Tampa Bay Rays, who went 162 and won the American League East last year uh, and lost to the Red Sox in the ALDS in four games. Um, they lost Colin McHugh, Nelson Cruz, Joey Wendell, Michael Walker, Mike Brasso, Chaz Rowe, David Robertson, and Oliver Drake. Not Where did too- Chaz Rowe go? I-, I think he might still be on the free agent market. Really? Um. I just—he's just been injured. Maybe they resigned him. Oh, he's on the. No, never mind. Yeah, he's what? How is he on the free agent? I mean, he's thirty-five. But did you see his numbers with the Rays? Yeah, crazy. Teams, what are we doing? Um, and they added Corey Kluber, Brooks Raley, and uh, just recently Harold Ramirez. Yeah. <laughs> so I now have no reason to watch the Cubs. <laughs> Because their my player to watch is gone. I can't wait for when we do like the uh, like the debriefing of our players to watch, and my number one worst player is Harold Ramirez because he got traded before opening day. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's tough. That's a very yeah. With the lockout, we're just seeing trades at weird times now. Yep. Um, my player to watch from the Rays is uh, someone who has had two plate appearances in Major League Baseball. <laughs> he has a He's slash he's slash one thousand one thousand one thousand two thousand. Josh Lowe, uh, another low to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays mix. He's wow. a twenty four year old outfielder. He's the number two prospect in the Rays system, and number fifty prospect in baseball according to uh, MLB Pipeline. He had a and I, this isn't too analytical because it's a mi- minor league player, but uh, he had a nine sixteen OPS and twenty six stolen bases. In 111 minor league games last year, you know, obviously he's 24. Uh, his estimated time of arrival 
on is both. April 24th. Is April 24th, yeah. His estimated time of arrival for both Fangraphs and MLB is 2022. So uh, I imagine him getting in the mix, uh, getting in that outfield, because it's not like – like no one in that outfield really is guaranteed outside of maybe a Rosa Reina and maybe Kiermaier to like – get everyday playing time because mm-hmm. um, Meadows he doesn't go in against lefties although this guy is also a lefty but um, but yeah I think he'll get in the mix maybe some DH work also or, or maybe Meadows will go there sure. when he comes in so yeah that'll be um, that'll be interesting yeah Josh Lowe yeah 916 OPS and 26 stolen bases in the minors last year and he's related 24. to Nate as well oh he's so I had his brother as a player to watch and you had him I did not know they were related yeah. I just found that out like two seconds ago. They <laughs> quickly went to his baseball reference page. Oh, sick. Yeah. All right. So nice connection there. Who do you have from the Rays? So I picked two players from the Rays. One of them is very high profile. The other one, if you're a sabermetrician, you know about him. But if you're a casual, you probably don't. Um, I'm glad you talked about Josh Lowe because I have to talk about Brandon Lau. Uh, oh. Just because like, he's one of the best players on the team. But I, the world needs to know that uh, since 1871 – uh, his 134 weighted runs created plus is ninth among second basemen. Career wise, career wise, yes. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. That's that is very cool. Yeah, like it's just like it's obviously a small sample size thing, but it's just it's still big enough to qualify. Yeah, but it's you need to know. Uh, he also leads all second basemen in weighted runs created plus since he debuted. So, uh, Brandon Lau, arguably the best offensive second baseman in baseball. Um. Yeah. Very much so. Like 500 slugging each of the last two years. Yeah. By uh, midseason MVP in 2020. Yeah, and like you look at um. Yeah, you also look at like what he was able to do from like June on because he kind of. I was to say you had him as a how about that and it was like a really good one. Yeah, and he, like, yeah, or actually, I can just go to his game logs, but he he struggled he struggled a little bit to start and then just took off and was like one of the best players in baseball but also unfortunately had a rough postseason like he was the best guy in that lineup Mm -hmm. and uh didn't um didn't really do much didn't really produce in the postseason my other uh raised player to watch is oh yeah go ahead uh, another guy who's starting the year on the injured list uh i don't know if he's on the injured list but i know he's hurt shane boz um I don't yeah. know what his timetable is, but uh, he's worth paying attention to. He pitched 13 in the third innings last year. He had 12.2 strikeouts per nine and 2.2 walks per nine. Uh, the Rays have an alarmingly kind of slim depth in their starting pitching, and a lot of a lot of uh, what they can do in the rotation this year is relying on guys like Shane Boz to uh, develop. He's a top 10 prospect in baseball. They have Shane McClanahan. They have Luis Patino. This is a very young rotation. Uh, they have the veterans' presence of Corey Kluber to help them out, which I think will be good. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's he has ace-type stuff. He showed it last year. Uh, the only thing for this short time last year was he gave up a lot of home runs. Uh, that's something that can be fixed over time, I'm sure. Yep, yep. And, uh, yeah, that's that's those are my guys on the race. Yeah, I'm looking at – so Brandon Lau – in his final 83 games had a 287 average and a 1012 OPS. Yep. Um, and I'm looking at where he ranked. Yeah. From June 19th on, you know, his final 83 games, 
He was fourth in uh, among all position players in F war. Wow. Um, and I'm going to see like where his batting stats were as well. Um, if this loads properly. Um, but yeah, like he was, you know, if, if the season started on June 19th, he would have been in the MVP conversation. For sure. Uh, his OPS ranked, um, also fourth from June 19th on and weighted runs created plus ranked third, uh, in his final 83 games out of, uh, a bunch of qualifiers, one hundred. Uh, okay. Shane Baz is not throwing until he's not throwing until early to mid April. So mm. that could mean he's back in May. It could mean he's back in July. But he'll be back enough to make an impact on the season, like early enough to do so. Oh yeah, uh, and which is good. And yeah, it's probably more important that he is there for the playoff push. Um. So yeah, my question is, uh, Mike Zanino's percentage of hits. Bean home runs will be over or under 40%. 40%? What was he it was last year? 45.8. <laughs> um, I don't know. Last year felt like an anomaly. I'm going to have to take the under on that. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a record or something. I Yeah, I think it, it was actually a graphic. I was re-watching game three of the uh, ALDS, and, yeah. and they had What some, a game. Yeah, great game. Good one to be at for sure. Oh, yeah. Just to feel the atmosphere of Fenway. Absolutely. It probably would have been amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mike Zanino, yeah, he had 45, 45.8% of his hits were home runs. And, like, if you break it down to total bases, I think, like, 70% of his total bases came off home runs. It was pretty It was pretty insane. Um, now, uh, your question to round out this uh, episode. Yeah, th- not only to round out the episode, but to round out our uh – Preview. Our previews. Yeah, player to watch. All of our players to watch. By the questions. end of the year, I think I think he's there already. But by the end of the year, is Wander Franco a consensus top five shortstop in baseball? Hmm. Oh, consensus top five shortstop in baseball. Well, yeah. I like. I don't know if I don't think he'll necessarily be above like Turner and Tatis, but like, yeah, everyone else like yeah. Story Correa. I would argue he's already a top five shortstop in baseball. Yeah, you you could definitely argue that. Like, yeah, there's Story Correa. Um, Turner, Tatis, and um, like Baez, I, I, he'll definitely be ahead of Baez, I think. Um, and uh, oh yeah, Seager, I forgot. Yeah, Seager's in the mix. Um, yeah, I guess there's a and Lindor's in the mix as well. Is uh, is his on base streak technically still intact? Um, Remember he had that on base streak last season. Is that still? Yeah. Oh wait, hold on. I think on September 30th he may have broken it. That's a shame. Yeah, I'm realizing how deep how deep that um, list is. Well, I guess it also depends on like how you base it off of. I definitely think he'll have a top five shortstop season in 2022. Um, will he be consensus top five? Um, you know, in like the you know next year when we when they do like the MLB Network top five shortstops in yeah. baseball right now. Um, the shredder. The shredder. Yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'll be okay. right. I think he'll be number five. All right, that's good. I think Turner, Tatis, um, Turner and Tatis, and um, like uh, Correa, 
and maybe Seeger will be ahead of him. So I don't know if this counts as keeping his on-base streak, but on September 30th, he... So there was a man on first with no outs, and he hit into a fielder's choice, but there was an error. So no one was out on the play. He got on base. Oh, well, it doesn't count as a hit walker, hit by pitch. So, so. does that count as extending his on-base streak? Because he got on base. No, because okay. um, errors that's like, errors don't count towards on-base percentage. That is, no, that's fair. Um, he, but he did get on base. He did technically He has on gotten base. on base in whatever amount of games it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, like uh yeah, with the Rays, yeah. He you know, Wander Franco's already the face of that team pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um at the age of 21 now. Yeah, cuz yeah, Mar- March just happened. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so that will do it for previews. We kind of packed it in. Like we had to do since you know, we didn't necessarily we didn't do any previews during the lockout cuz it's like we didn't know that you know Correa was going to go to the Twins, yeah. and Story was going to go to the What do you mean? Everyone knew Correa was going to the Twins. Oh, you know, that's true, yeah. <laughs> the, the, we knew the tampering was going to be going on. <laughs> we knew, like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, Simmons leaves, you got to bring in Correa. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an upgrade. Uh, <laughs> Andrelton Simmons, who is apparently on the Red Sox now. Yeah, what the heck? If you go to the Fangraphs injury report, he's just listed on the Red Sox. I, th- I was like, I, so first of all, there's a Red Sox, like, Twitter community, and I I put something on there, and I was like, apparently we have Angelton Simmons now. And then someone was like, yeah, that's old news. I was like, what are you talking about? We don't have <laughs> Angelton Simmons. <laughs> yeah, like, he's on the Cubs. I'm not crazy. He's yeah. on the Chicago Cubs. He signed a contract, one year, four million dollars. I guess it's not unreasonable to believe maybe we might they could have traded him, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> We yeah. did. They didn't trade him. We don't. He's not on the Red Sox. He's playing spring training games for the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> Granted, he only played one and had two plate appearances. But <laughs> what are we talking about? He's what not on the Red Sox. What are we talking about? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for all that. It'll do it for this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, we kind of had to pack it in. It was a, it was a good amount of work, and we're already doing a, a lot of stuff. Yes. With uh, classes and clubs. Yep. For for whatever, but that does it for that. And uh, yeah, we'll be doing season predictions sometime before Thursday, or maybe on Thursday. I don't know. Um, so we'll be doing that right before opening day. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed this one. Um, and. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran, and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one, and we hope to see you for the next one, where we will be doing 2022 season predictions. Uh, and uh, yeah, we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.